Hello, welcome to Mass Queer Talks, a podcast to learn, share and understand queerness within professional life. I'm Sophia and I will be the host for today. This is a podcast series by and for the guys, girls, gays and the days that want to extend their knowledge on LGBTQIA plus experiences in university, academia and the workplace. This podcast series was born in Pride Academia and Research Committee and supported by the UM Diversity and Inclusivity Office. Stay tuned and slay some knowledge. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are merely personal and do not represent any organization's values. Remember, everyone's experience is different and valid. Today, I'm here with Noah, a PhD candidate from FASOS, and I'm super excited to be sharing this space with you and opening the opportunity for queer folks and allies to start this kind of conversation in their day-to-day lives, because this is super important. First of all, Ian Pride wants to thank you for being part of this project. And I want to personally thank you to be here today being open about this podcast series and accepting our invitation. We hope you enjoy this as much as we enjoyed the process of thinking of it and making it happen. We'll start by letting people know who you are as much as you're comfortable with and we'll move from there. So maybe you can introduce yourself, maybe tell us a bit about yourself, whatever you would like to share. Okay, yeah, yeah. Thanks very much for having me here. So I'm Noah, I'm 28 years old. I was born in Almelo in the east of the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. I'm a non-binary and queer, I use they, them pronouns, and I did my bachelor and master uh, history in Leiden, mm-hmm. at Leiden University, and then I started my PhD, which started at Leiden University, and then moved to Maastricht. Okay, now you live in the at the Hague still, right? Yes, yeah. So you commute a lot? Yes, yeah, yeah, I go back and forth. <laughs> really nice that you came here to Maastricht today. Now that you're working as a PhD candidate, could you maybe tell us a bit more how that is for you and what drives you in that position? Uh, yeah, yeah, I really like it. It's very challenging. I found out during my studies of history that I really enjoyed doing academic research mm-hmm. and I wanted to do a PhD, but I always heard like it's very difficult to find a position. So I was very lucky to be able to find one. And now the PhD project is about the LGBT plus archives from the 1970s onwards in the Netherlands. So I'm a historian, it's a historical research. Were you always interested in that specific archive? But like, did you know as a student that that's something you would like to specialize in? I didn't know yet. I knew I wanted to specialize in queer history. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of projects during my studies on queer history and Dutch queer history, also British and German queer mm-hmm. history. And so I went to a lot of different archives during this research. And then I heard about the broader project that my PhD is part of, that it was being Mm -hmm. set up, which is the Critical Visitor Project. And uh, that was about intersectionality in heritage spaces in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started thinking about what my research could look like in terms of that project. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking about queer heritage and all the archives I've been at what I could find there, what the spaces felt like, and started thinking about processes of selection and day-to-day decisions behind the scenes of the archive. Um, and I based a proposal around that. So it kind of built throughout my... Uh, so you're really inspired as you went on. Yeah, really yeah, cool. definitely. Yeah. And why specifically those countries that you mentioned, the Netherlands, Germany and France? And uh, uh, the UK, uh, the, the UK, Netherlands, yes. and, and and Germany. It's it's mostly because those are the languages I can speak. <laughs> well, that helps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does help. And then also, there was a big focus in the field that I was studying in you know, on comparative history, uh, mm-hmm. and comparative analysis was uh, also my supervisor was very interested in that. 
So that's why during my bachelor thesis, I did a comparative analysis of the German Democratic Republic and the Federal Republic of Germany and mm -hmm. transgender lives there. So I looked at governmental policy, but I also looked at personal narratives of trans people there. And then for my master thesis, I focused on disabled LGBTI people mm -hmm. and mostly uh, self-organization of disabled LGBTI people. And I compared the UK and the Netherlands for that. Very interesting. It's fascinating how you combine your field of study with your passion, as it seems. Yeah, yeah. I always wanted to do like queer history and, and something that I really liked and was interested in myself. And can I ask why you're so interested in it? Um, I think lots of it has to do with me being queer myself and wanting to see that history, which is not that visible mm -hmm. uh, during, you know, a regular bachelor uh, yeah. history. It's not talked about a lot. So mm -hmm. you sort of have to create space for that. Why in every course I took, I tried to do a paper on queer history to make space within <laughs> whatever the topic was mm -hmm. to make that a queer thing as well. Because with every theme, you can sort of make it a queer theme as well. And I also think that being queer, like part of my activism, I feel like is doing the academic work of making queer history visible. Mm -hmm. And I think that fits very much with this research that I do right mm -hmm. now on mm -hmm. uh, LGBT archives, because those started as well as grassroots activist in initiatives to make queer history visible. So it sort of recognized that too. Yeah. Must be challenging though, like this combination that you talked about. So you can be proud, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no worries. So you moved from being a student to like climb the ladder further in academia. Um, how was that transition for you? Like from student and now to a PhD candidate? I think I was very lucky with that. Mm -hmm. um, I was doing an internship at the uh, Ilia LGBTI Heritage mm -hmm. in, in Amsterdam. And during that internship, I actually heard that the project, the Critical Fitzgerald project was being set up. I sort ah, of heard okay. that from, I overheard it from other colleagues working there. And so I was like, that would be amazing to be a part of. And I sort of had a mentor at the time who was always encouraged me to just reach out to people and just talk to people. And that's pretty difficult sometimes, you know, you feel challenging. like you might be bothering people or, you know, it might be out of turn. Also, I'm I'm first generation student, uh, mm -hmm. so I don't know always the social rules and the, the norms of academia. So I, I never know when you can reach out, you know, what is a normal question to ask and what will people mm -hmm. just all know who are sort of more embedded in that academic structure. But that mentor encouraged me to reach out. And so I did. And I knew the, the person leading the Critical History Project already from doing a minor gender and sexuality at Leiden University as well. So I did reach out and then we could start writing my proposal for being a part of this project. So my PhD proposal. So in, in terms of that, I feel like finding the position was like a very lucky process. But also a challenge I hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also we got a lot of discouragement at the master to do a PhD. Like also students yeah. amongst each other were like, you know, there's some few positions, so it doesn't really make sense to go for it. And we were all sort of discouraging each other. So <laughs> and then I found there's actually opportunities to do it. You know, it's not that impossible to find a position. So in that sense, you know, it was a challenge, but it was also very nice that it worked mm -hmm. out. Yeah. And that was through your mentor that you kind of smoothed out the process. And, uh... 
Yeah, that who really encouraged me to email and reach out. Also, that this mentor was also active in queer history, so you know that's why we talked a lot. So that's really beautiful. That, yeah, that could really like give you that push that you needed now that you're grateful for. Yeah, yeah, missed, so. yeah. I feel like a, a kind of a case of like queer academics helping each other out as well. That's very kind. Now that we know you a little bit more, can we ask you more in depth question about queerness? Yeah. Yeah. Great. What does being queer mean to you? Doesn't need to be a set definition. Just your thoughts. <laughs> I think a lot of what I really like about it is is community and sort of being together with other mm-hmm. queer people and being in a space where it's just safe to defy like normative understandings mm-hmm. of of gender and of any patterns of expectation that sort of automatically get a bit challenged when you're with a group of queer people. I think that's that's something I really like about it and how it has meaning for me. Yeah. So it's being queer that has meaning for you. And what comes to your mind if you think of being queer? It's like what feelings, attributions do you associate? I think it sounds a bit like stereotypical, but it is <laughs> a pride thing, right? It is, I feel like a subversive, happy identity where you can, you know, you have like the saying like, not gay as in happy, but queer as in fuck you. And I, I really like that one too. Like it has both of these things, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can swear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I feel like it has that happy togetherness of community. Mm-hmm. And it also has the subversive activist side of it. Both are important to me. The, this duality that you're describing is really beautiful. Very nice that you shared that. Do you think that being queer influenced the transition to the work environments more than just like the topic? that you're interested in, but just beyond that? I feel like it it did play a role. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like you say, other than the topic, but also it's my interest in queer research that drives me, my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wouldn't have done a PhD just to do a PhD, you know? I do it because I want to do queer research. Mm-hmm. And that has to do with my queer identity. And if there were no positions other than on different topics or something like that, I probably would have found a career elsewhere, I feel mm-hmm. like. To focus more on the topic that you're interested in. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like that's very important to me. Mm-hmm. And you think this will also further influence your future career choices? Yeah, I'm, I'm aiming for that. And I hope that there's <laughs> room to continue being active in queer research. And if it's not in the academic world, then hopefully outside of it. But uh, it's a question of seeing where there's options for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately you want to create more space for it. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm gathering. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. As you focus a lot on, on the history of it all and like, well, you're a historian, maybe you can also give us your opinion how you think the world is evolving currently. Do you think the world is moving to a better place for queer individuals or is it getting more hostile? Feel free to relate this specifically to the countries that you kind of specified in. Yeah. Well, I, I really think it is getting more hostile or it is very hostile right now. Mm -hmm. You hear all the news from like anti-trans, anti-queer laws being implemented in the UK and in the US. Mm -hmm. Um, And lots of, well, at least attempts at getting those laws implemented. And I feel like we see a lot of that rhetoric also coming up in the Netherlands, a lot of Mm -hmm. anti-trans sentiments. There's been this extreme right-wing protest at the, the the drag queen story hour 
attacks at gay clubs, you know, like I feel like those things are very startling and, and scary to me. Mm-hmm. I also think, you know, to connect it with your broader world in mm-hmm. general, you know, the saying that is like no pride on a broken planet. So I feel like with the with climate change and the way that, you know, the earth in general is is going right now. That also makes it very unsafe for anyone, but for queer people as well. Also with, you know, the sort of capitalist hellscape we live in right now (laughs) and poverty, housing crisis. I think all those things make it a pretty bleak picture to me right now. That being said, I will say, you know, like it's not that happens across all walks of Mm -hmm. life. You know, you see a lot more openness, a lot more awareness lot more representation as well. Coming out as non-binary, I feel like I've found a lot of acceptance that I wouldn't have had even 10 years ago. People doing their best to try to use my pronouns and accept my new name, being able to transition, you know, so there's positive things as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just... It's nice of you to end on that more positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of dark otherwise, but I do feel like it's very important also bringing in like a historical mm-hmm. uh, perspective, like queer community has always faced waves of big hostility like we're facing right now and have always fought back and spoken back to it. And we need to do the same right now, uh, I think. Do you um, feel like that's happening? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think there's a big movement and a very activist mm-hmm. attitude in queer communities to speak back against rise of fascist and, and extreme rights voices and lots of positive things happening because of that as well yeah that's nice to hear (laughs) at least there's like a kernel of hope lastly we would like to ask you to share a piece of advice for any queer folk allies to make professional life more compatible with their identity is there anything you'd like to share yeah i think that's a bit of a difficult question you know everyone's (laughs) position is is their own i do feel like One piece of advice is that you don't owe anyone any information you don't feel comfortable giving. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't owe anyone a coming out, per se. But if you do want to be, you know, out and proud in the workspace, I feel like finding community and finding at least a body to do it with has really helped me. Find your people within within that space. And I, I actually found out recently that... I have a difficult time when people use the wrong pronouns for me to correct them because I feel like it's very disruptive in a conversation and I get Mm -hmm. a bit anxious from it. So I I usually don't and then I I sort of feel bad, (laughs) you know. Um, But recently I've been in a situation where a friend of mine keeps privately correcting people who misgender me and they've now changed and do it right more and more often. So that really helps for me mm-hmm. to get someone else to, you know, it's less personal for them because it's not about mm-hmm. them. It's about someone else to sort of stand up for you and help you. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's for for me personally, I felt like I found like a buddy to, to help me with that mm-hmm. made it more easy. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And um, thank you for that. I think that's very valuable advice. And in, in one way or another, everyone can for sure benefit from that or from hearing that. To end this off, do you have any recommendation? This can be a book, a film, and a series, a place, whatever comes to mind that is queer friendly and that you really like and would like to recommend. That's a good question. Uh, 
I, I think I'll recommend my favorite movie, that I, my comfort movie. It's Pride. It's a movie from 2014. Mm -hmm. And it's about the, the group Lesbians and Gays Support the Miners and their effort to help the mining community during Thatcher's repression of the mining community. So it's about solidarity across movements. And I think it's very inspirational even today. And I, I always watch it when I feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you for that recommendation. I think lots of people will enjoy that movie. Thanks again for accepting our invitation and being so open throughout the conversation, Noah. It was really a pleasure to talk to you. And for all of you that are listening, stay tuned and check our socials regularly. Remember that we're on Instagram as um.pride and at diversityum and subscribe to the UM Pride newsletter to get regular updates of what we're doing. If you like this podcast, save it and share it with your friends. Listen to it again if you want to. Till next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for having me.